house of the Lord. Looking forward to a wonderful day in the Lord's house. It's good to have some visitors with us this morning. And so thank you for being here. You are our honored guest. So uh, if there's anything that we can do, please let us know. We want to make sure that you uh, are, have been encouraged and blessed for being here this morning. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer and see what he has for us this morning. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to worship and to praise you. Lord, we ask for your presence to be in our presence this morning. Lord, we, uh, Lord, we need you. And Lord, we ask that, uh, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, I pray that if there's one here that's not saved, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray that uh, that one that may be discouraged or disheartened this morning, Lord, I pray that you would just encourage them. Lord, uh, give us what we need, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and stand. Turn to 282. Got the mic on? 282.
forward to that. We get to go home and be with our Savior. Amen. Go ahead and turn back to 295, hymn number 295. Wonderful words of life. Something we can share with each of our neighbors and our friends and family. Amen.
Alrighty, go ahead and turn over to 300. Hymn number 300. Good singing this morning. Do appreciate you once again being out in the Lord's house. And uh, would ask that you would continue to pray for the folks that are unable to be here this morning. Think of the Amoses, their little ones. I don't, I haven't heard that Adam and Evelyn have got it yet, but their little ones got the flu bug. And uh, so you pray for a little Janie. And I knew. Um, Andrew had it, uh, but uh, Janie has it as well, and so pray for them. Uh, of course, I uh, went and visited Miss Sharon Land yesterday. She broke uh, both of her ankles, went and seen her. She's at the waters, and uh, if you're able to maybe drop by and, and uh, kind of uplift her spirits a little bit, I know she would appreciate that. She's at the waters. And uh, then also, Brother John's unable to be here, but I know he's watching um, uh, on the internet, so uh, you continue to pray for him. Uh, one thing I've noticed is that uh, we have plenty of opportunities to pray, don't we? Uh, there's plenty of opportunities, uh, plenty of uh, people to pray for, and so we need to be a people of prayer. 
And uh, I think that that, uh, that's a good thing. Again, I appreciate you being here. I hope and pray that you've already been blessed for being here this morning. Again, thank you for our visitors being here this morning. Please join me in Exodus chapter number 15. Exodus chapter number 15. I'm going to read a few verses, verses 22 through 27. Exodus 15, 15. Exodus 15, verse 22. We'll start there and we'll read through verse 27. The Bible says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Moriah, they could not drink of the waters of Moriah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Moriah. And uh, people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they uh, came to Elam, and uh, where there were... Twelve wells of water, and three scores and ten palm trees, and they encamp there by the waters. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again we come to you, a needy people. Lord, we need your help this morning. Lord, I pray that you would speak through this vessel, and Lord, that you would use me. And Lord, not for any of my glory, but that you would be glorified and magnified in all that's said and done. Lord, I pray that you'll take this simple message, apply it to our hearts, that we may uh, live better for you and uh, be better Christians. And Lord, again, if there's one here that's not saved, I pray that you'll speak to their hearts this morning and they'll be saved before it's eternally too late. Thank you again for all that you do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, lessons learned can be very, a, a very bitter experience. Yet, while this is true, it's also true that experiences often are the best teachers. Some of the things that we go through. You, you know, I, I think about this when my children were younger. I, I'm not going to use myself because I was that perfect child, you know. And, uh, but when my children were younger, I, I could tell them, don't touch the stove or that fire or that hot dog slash marshmallow stick that you just had in the fire. Don't touch that. And... Uh, it's hot, don't touch it, but oftentimes they uh, never learned the lesson until they touched it. Um, I never did that. I was always such a good kid and everything. I, I think you guys understand that by now, but uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I'd done all three. I think I touched the fire, I touched the stove, and I touched the marshmallow stick, okay? Uh, just letting that out there. Uh, unfortunately, we all seem to possess this same characteristic in our lives. When this happens, uh, we can really relate to what hot means. It's a lesson they, uh, that we will never forget as long as we live. I remember when I was a kid, I'll use myself since I'm embarrassing my daughter, but I, when I was a kid, my dad told me to stay away from the stove. I was only like four or five years old. He said, don't get near the stove. Well, I thought... Since Dad said don't get near the stove when he wasn't around, that meant to get near the stove. I mean, right? Any other kids like that? 
Um, so what I did is I opened up the stove. We had a wood-burning stove. And what I did, that um, the whole door of the stove came off. And there was fire in there. And, uh, and, the, and it came down. I remember this. The, hand, the, uh, um, the door came down, and it burnt a little piece of the carpet right there. Well, my sister had the smart idea. Uh, she helped me on this case. Uh, we picked up that stove back up and put or the uh, door back up and put the handles back on there. And I thought, oh, no, Dad's going to see this. So what do you do? You cover it up with a rug. I mean, come on. But, you know, it wasn't until my dad told me, don't do that. And then I got burned. I felt that burn. That's when I really knew that it was hot and I could relate to that. Unfortunately, we all seem to possess the same characteristics. More often than, than not, we have to burn before we ever learn. We have to burn before we learn. In this passage, Israel is fresh off from, from a great victory. I mean, they just won a great victory. Uh, they've been delivered from slavery. They've, they've been given a new life, and they witness uh, God destroying their enemies in the depths of the Red Sea. And, and now, three days later, they, they're faced with a trial. After three days with no water, they came to a place called Moriah, and, and uh, where uh, while there, they learned three valuable lessons. And it's these lessons I want to focus on this morning. It may be uh, that someone here is going through a time of trial. If so, in these verses, you will learn some good lessons if we'll allow the Lord to teach us. If everything in your life is sailing along smoothly, then, then look out because there's a valley coming, there's a, a trouble coming, there's a Mariah, if you will, coming your way one day. And when that happens, you may need to apply these lessons that you've learned this morning. So I'm going to go back and, and, and join Israel at Mariah here and, and, and let's uh, think together about this subject, bittersweet. Bittersweet. Now, when I say bittersweet, some of you might be thinking of oil and water. They just don't go together, right? Bitter and sweet. That, I mean, we use that expression often, but uh, we don't like bittersweet things. You know, they don't seem to go to, together well. Well, through this message, I hope to explain it a little bit better to you, what the, what the Lord is trying to help us during these bittersweet times. Bittersweet times. Number one, we learn a lesson about life. What is life? Life is a mixture. It's a, a, a full of moments in our life. Israel had just experienced the greatest blessings that they had seen to that point uh, as they were delivered out of Egypt. They, they were delivered out of Egypt. They saw uh, the Egyptians drown in the Red Sea. And, uh, um, uh, but now they face uh, a little bit of bitterness. As soon as this bitter time was passed, they, they enjoyed, uh, they got to enjoy the blessings. In Exodus 15, 22, it says this, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And when they went three days a journey or in the wilderness and found no water, and when they came to Moriah, they uh, could not drink of the waters of Moriah, for they... Uh, were bitter, therefore the name of it was called Moriah. Uh, now, then verse 27, it says, And they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water, and three scored and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. 
So life is full of, uh, of moments of good times and bad times, of pleasures and of trials and of troubles. I mean, uh, if you're, uh, someone is saying, if you come out of a valley, get ready. Uh, if you just come off a mountain, get ready. There's a valley right behind it. And that is so true. There's, I suppose they, like a lot of us today, assume that once, once you get signed up to follow the Lord, that they'll, there will be no more, everything's going to be perfect. There will be no more bumps in, in the road. And everything's going to be, let me tell you, that's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Just because you get saved, just because you start saying, okay, I'm going to get my life right, I'm going to start living for God, does not mean that everything's going to flow smoothly now. It's not, that's not going to happen. But the fact is this, is if we would just realize that God is with us during those times, uh, no life is not going to be easy, but God is with us and he helps us through those times. Unfortunately, this is, it's faulty thinking to think that way. According to God's word, uh, life is filled with ups and downs. The Bible says in Job 5, 7, yet man is born of trouble as the sparks fly upward. Job 14.1, man that is, uh, uh, is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Ecclesiastes 2.17, therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. While this outlook may seem depressing to us to think that, man, life is full of troubles and, and all these things, we're also aware that there are some wonderful blessings, some wonderful times as well that we experience. But what we like to do is we like to dwell on the bitterness. We like to think about the troubles and the trials that we... Or we don't remember the good things that God's doing for us. We don't, we don't uh, uh, put our minds on those things. See, these are lessons worth remembering when we embrace this fact that life can go either way. Then we are prepared for either the good, the bad, the trials, the triumphs. We are, see, we are just, think about this, we are just moments away from either victory or a valley. We're just moments away. Not only a lesson of life about moments, but also there's, notice the master during these lessons of life. When Israel arrived at Moriah, they seemed to forget all the wonderful things that God had done for them. They forgot about the plagues, how God delivered them through that, and the miracle of the Red Sea. They forgot that the Lord was, had been absolute control of all things. They forgot that God is the master of life, both the good and the bad times. Sounds like a lot of us. See, we'll cruise through life enjoying the Lord's blessings, and many times we'll, we'll take them for granted. But, uh, but just let a difficult time come in our way, and we start wringing our hands. We start wringing our hands, and we hang our heads down in defeat, and we worry about what to do. We forget that the same God who was in control of the good days is the same God that's still in control of the days that aren't so good. See, he's in charge of them all. The Bible says, and we know that all things, we need, to get a, we need to grasp this verse, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called, that are called according to his purpose. 
Think about the disciples on the boat there in John chapter 6, verse 21, or 1 through 21. They rejoiced in his miracles. They were just rejoicing. But then when the storm came, they forgot what they had just seen him do. That sounds so much like us today. I mean, we're sailing through all the victories. I mean, bills are being paid. I mean, uh, you know, our health is well. And and the kids are doing well. And, uh, oh man, everything is going well. But then throw a wrench in there. And what do we start focusing? Not on the things that God is doing, not on the good things that God has just seen us through or all the the victories he's gave us in the past. We want to focus on that one little wrench, that one little thing that has caught our attention. And we dwell on that. And we focus on that. And we forget about the blessings of the Lord. Notice also the mission. God used these things, these times, both the good and the bad, to minister to the Israelites. What they learned about God in both these times of life shaped their perspective of, life, of God, of who He is, and what He could do for them in their life. The same is true for us. Every situation in life serves as a reminder of the Lord, and He uses the times of life to shape us into His image. Just as a child is a product of his or her environment, you will say, so the Christian is a product of the situation he faces in life. See, it's in all of life, God is simply trying to make us to be more like his son. Then I want you to notice number two, we learn a lesson about living. Life is a giant laboratory, if you will, and every experience whether good or bad, reveals our heart and exactly who we are. This bitter time at Moriah revealed certain things about, certain characteristics about these Israelites. You know, uh, uh, um, I'm afraid that we're just as guilty as these Israelites many times, that we, uh, when we face trials and troubles, it reveals a lot about our character. And these are some things that it reveals, some lessons of life. When trials come, we realize that we're living for self. You see, they were only concerned about their bodily satisfaction. They have forgotten the great things that God had done for them recently. And instead of being caught up with, uh, in His glory, in His wonder, in His splendor, in His worship, they were totally consumed with their personal needs. Think about this from when when we get in a tight spot, we seem to forget the greatness of God and our, our, uh, uh, our world so, uh, suddenly gets very small. We tighten the boundaries of our lives until we are the centerpiece and the focus of everything. You think about this. When you're going through a trial, you're going through something, you know what the greatest thing you can do is start praising God. God, I I don't understand it, but I know you've got a purpose, a plan. God, I'm just going to trust you in it all. God, I I don't understand it. Let me say as pastor, I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. You hear that all the time. I don't understand why. God has a plan, that's what I know. And I'm just going to trust him through it all. See, we must remember that God doesn't want us 
living for self or selfish needs. He wants us to live for Him. And a lot of times, God will put trials in our life. He'll put things in our life to get us to look back to Him. But then they also reveals that we're walking by sight. See, Israel was guilty of looking for satisfaction in the world around them instead of the God who bought them. Then when their experiences failed them, they, or their expectations failed them, they became disappointed with God. How many times have we been guilty of the same thing, of being disappointed in God because God doesn't answer or do what we expect Him to do? See, we expect something, someone healed, some job, someone to make us happy, and, and, and all the time we never look for the joy in the one place where it will always be found, even in bitter times. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, For this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joys of the Lord is your strength. Luke 10.20, Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Our duty as believers is to learn to depend on the Lord completely, totally, for every situation in life. See, we are to be a people of faith. And when we step outside of faith and walk by sight, we have left God's best and we enter into sin. But then, not only that, but they, we learn that we're never satisfied. These people, just three days before, had just seen their enemies destroyed. The greatest army in the world destroyed. They had seen God part the Red Sea and deliver them, and then they seen Him take the same sea and, and use it to defeat their enemies. I mean, this is... A, I'm sitting there thinking how the Israelites walked over and the Bible says there was dry ground. To me, that just amazes me how the, the waters congealed, the Bible teaches us, how they went side by side and they congealed. I mean, uh, I, I just picture it as, as these great wall waters on each side. And the water's just kind of shaking because that's what congealed means. You ever made jello? That's what that means, congealed. And you can, you know what that is? That's just showing a sign of their faith even more. As the waters are kind of just, and you're thinking, are the waters going to crash in on me? And then as they're congealed there, and all the Israelites walked over on dry ground, they get to the other side, and as soon as they get to the other side, their enemies come in, and they get, they drowned in the Red Sea. Think about that. But they were never satisfied. When these things happen, they open their mouths and praise the Lord. Oh God, thank you for doing this. Thank you for getting us, delivering us from uh, the Egyptians and from uh, sparing us from all these plagues and things such as that. And they, they, they started singing, the Bible says, the horse and the rider. See, now they're standing by a pool of bitter water because they're thirsty. And they're complaining because the Lord didn't do it their way in their time. When we are up on a mountain, we can be so quick to glorify God and even, even stand public and give Him praise. However, just let a little trial come our way and we whine, gripe, and complain. 
about the terrible time we're having to go through. Isn't that silly? See, God's plan for our lives is that we learn to give Him glory in every situation that life throws at us. If we are on the mountain, then praise Him for His blessings. If we're in the valley, then praise Him for His faithfulness. Whatever we face in life, we're to praise Him. I, I often refer back to one of the, my favorite movies is Facing the Giants. Some of you have seen that. If you haven't seen it, I usually don't endorse movies, but that's a good movie to watch. That movie, I, I loved it. Uh, the boys, I, I sit there and I, I think about this uh, all the time. The boys are playing football and, they, and the coach says, hey, they just lost a game. And they said, they're all down and disappointed and they, they had already made a pact. If we win, we're going to praise him. If we lose, we're going to praise him. And they lost the game and they begin to be upset. And one of them said, hey, whether we win, we're going to praise him. Whether we lose, we're going to praise him. We're, we're going to give God the glory. And the fact is this, folks. Whether we're in a trial or we're in a victory, we need to praise him. For he's worthy of our praise. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning uh, you in Christ Jesus. Uh, Job, uh, I think about his attitude. In Job 1.21, he said this, And uh, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How many of us have that attitude? That's where we need to be at. David, with his attitude, he says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Then I want you to notice the last thing. We learned some lessons about the Lord during the bittersweet times. We learned this, that he's aware of our needs. God knew what they would face at Moriah. He himself had planned their journey. He knew about their need before they did. Nothing in your life takes God by surprise. We need to get a hold of that. He is already in tomorrow and he knows what you will face when you get there. Matthew 6.32 says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. He knows of the sickness before you've yet developed that sickness. He knows of your grief while that one that you are grieving still lives today. He knows about that bill that hasn't yet come. See, I'm glad I serve a God who knows what I need before I ever need it. Aren't you? He's aware. But then not only is He aware, but He is able. He's able to meet our needs. Moses was commanded to cast the tree into the waters. And when he did, they were made sweet. Think about that. God in his wisdom had already prepared that tree for that meeting of their need. When they arrived, he was, it was already ready. He was ready. He manifested his power and they got what they needed from the Lord. And he is able to meet our needs as well. If God knows about our need before it happens, God, you do realize this. Ten years from now, God knows what you need today. He already knows what you need. A 
hundred years from now? God already knows. God knows. See, when man was placed on this earth, he had no needs. Think about that. God placed a perfect man into a perfect world. There in the garden, Adam had everything he could possibly need. Yet when he sinned, he became a needy creature. Not only did he need salvation, he also needed the very basic essentials of life. When Jesus came and died on Calvary, he repaired everything Adam had destroyed through his death on the tree. You know what? God had a tree waiting for us as well. See, he was able to meet the bitter sweet or the bitter waters and make life sweet again. Through his death on the cross, we find everything we need to have our needs met. When we are in a right relationship with God through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are in a position to have every need of our life met by His power. Through the cross of Christ, the bitter waters of life are made sweet again. See how God ties all that in together? Through the cross, God is able to meet our needs, not only of salvation, but in every area of our life. The cross unlocks his power in our lives. God is abundantly able to meet every need that we face. Every need. Now, again, I've got to be careful to say this and remind you that our needs and our wants are two different things. I was talking to some of the men yesterday and some of the ladies at prayer breakfast yesterday, and I said, I, I, I don't want grandkids. They looked at me like this, you're crazy. I want grandkids. I said, I know because I know how I am. They're probably going to get everything they want from me. Papa, I want this. Okay, here you go. And I got to thinking, God's going to provide all their needs. I'm going to provide all their wants. That's what grandparents are for, right? Yeah. Then I want you to notice this. He's already provided for our need. It's already been provided. Years before Israel arrived at Moriah, God caused a seed to germinate in that very place where they would need it. He looked ahead and prepared a way before the way was ever needed. He does the same for us. Did you ever realize that your need, as frightening as it may be, is only evidence of God supplying, is His supplying and waiting? Whatever you're in need of, it's God's supply and waiting. You'll never face a need in life that God hasn't already met. If that ever sinks in, it will change our lives forever. It will totally destroy worry, doubt, and fear. It will uh, liberate us from selfish interest and give us peace about all of life. At Moriah, God revealed himself to Israel as Jehovah Rapha which means the Lord is our healer. God is our healer. Not man, not drugs, not money, but God is our healer. If Israel had never faced this bitter time, they would have never known the aspect of God's character. Just as Job would have never known that God could restore unless he lost everything. Just as Lazarus would not have known the joys of life if he had not died. 
Just as Mary and Martha would not have known that Jesus was the resurrection of life unless they had first known the grief. What I'm saying is that the Lord uses the bitter episodes of our life to reveal himself in a more fully way to his children. God uses those bitter times to reveal himself and life is made sweet. The bitter waters is made sweet. He can make sense out of any mess. The key is learning not to kick, but to rest in his power and allow him to have his way in our life. To trust him that he knows what's best. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. So we think of these bitter times. These bitter times. I don't know about you, but I don't look forward to... I don't say, Lord, send me trouble. Send me problems. Send me financial... But in all reality, when I think about this, I apply this message to my heart. It's not that I pray for it, but I do know this, that when I'm going through those things, God has a, the, 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 he's got the solution. I just need to look to Him. I just need to trust Him in all this. Just trust Him. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're going through an overwhelming, overwhelming Episode, you're going through a, a time of, of life that you just seem, I don't see a way out. Can I just tell you that He's got the solution? Not that you're going to, uh, God's going to take that problem away, but He'll go through it with you. He'll be your encouragement, He'll be your source of strength, He'll be your source of hope. And even in the bitter times, even in your Marias, God has a tree to make it sweet again. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I pray that you'll take this simple lesson. Lord, realize, and we realize this morning, that life is full of troubles and trials. But Lord, we need to look to you as our source of comfort and peace. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray today, as you provided, you provided the cross, the tree there, for Christ to die on our, for our sins. Lord, I pray that if there's one here that doesn't know you, Lord, that they would trust you this morning. Lord, that they would not leave this place until they get it, it 100% sure in their life. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for the trials. Thank you for the troubles. Lord, help us to give praise and thanks in all situations. Lord, it is easy to give praise during the victories and the things that are going well. But Lord, help us to be a people that thank you and praise you and worship you even in the bitter times. Thank you for all that you to do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you stand to your feet, please? As God has spoke to your heart, I'm going to invite you to come. Find a place at the altar. I don't know what you're going through this morning. Everything may be well. You may be facing... Everything's just great. Everything's going smoothly. But as I said earlier, there are moments, there's moments that have 
You're just moments away from a victory or a valley. And if we're going to look at our situations, we're going to look at our situations for our joy as a source of comfort. We're going to live miserable lives. But if we keep our eyes focused on Him, we can have joy and peace during the storms. Just as Peter walked out on the water, everything was fine as long as he had his eyes on the Lord, but as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord, he began to sink. Keep your eyes on Him. A vision for God, that's what we're talking about this year, a vision for God. Keeping our eyes on Him. Thank you. You may be seated. Do appreciate you again once again for being here this morning. Let me give you just a couple announcements. Next Sunday after our, in our afternoon service, we're going to have a special business meeting. Uh, just so you know uh, what we're kind of talk, we're going to talk about our missionaries um, wanting to take on a missionary. Also wanting to increase our giving for our missionaries uh, from uh, 75 for our foreign missionaries. Uh, from 75 to $100, just to kind of give you a brief overview of what we're talking about. And also another thing we're wanting to talk about is maybe getting a, uh, a, a water softener for the church. Um, we had a water leak again yesterday, not just a leak, but an explosion, if you will, um, uh, for the last few weeks, uh, a couple weeks at least, and it, uh, it uh, flooded Chazzy's place. And so uh, we got, uh, and it, Brother Jack says, that's Reelsville water, and uh, like he was proud of it or something, I don't know. Uh, that's Reelsville water for you. And, uh, but anyways, uh, um, so we're going to look at getting a water softener of some sort, and so we're just going to meet about that next week just to give you a heads up, and that's after our services, Sunday morning services. And then uh, February 11th, we're going to be uh, meeting at 7 o'clock at the Putnam Inn, and we're going to just join us couples, and uh, we're going to have a time of fellowship there, just eat, eat dinner and talk and, and uh, enjoy each other's company. And then March the 7th is our prayer breakfast once again. Please pray for our Missionary of the Week, the Lighthouse Children's Home, our Deacon of the Week, Brother Travis Ivers, our Family of the Week, Brother Sonny Miss Donna Wiggs, and then our Trustee of the Week, Brother Sean McGinnis. Please remember these folks in your prayers if you would. All right, let's all we'll have the men come forward. We'll take up this morning's tithes and offerings. As they're coming, let me say once again, thank you, Miss Tammy, uh, for being here this morning. Then also, uh, Miss Mary, thank you for being here. And then also for the Sampley family, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, all right. Brother Caleb, sir, would you please?
prayer. What we'll do is we'll take a five-minute break, and then we'll come back for our uh, afternoon service. Uh, just a, just got a devotion for you this afternoon. Probably about we'll be out of here by noon. So uh, if you could stick around for our afternoon service. All right, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, Brother Brian Penley, sir, would you close us in the words? Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. You shed your blood on the cross for our sins. Lord, we're thankful for that. Just ask that you just be with each one of us to go about our way. It's in Jesus' name I pray.